Hello, and welcome to episode number 145 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brad Allen and Brett Colson. We run down all of the games this week in the NFL. Guys, really, really quickly, let's go ahead and take a brief look back on Thursday night, see if that changed how we think about either one of these teams moving forward. I'll go ahead and say it went well for me. Brad, I know it did because we did a Wednesday podcast, went well for you. Um, it doesn't really change the way I view either one of these teams, to be perfectly honest with you, because I did not consider the Patriots to be a contender at all anyway. A one-dimensional team can't throw the ball at all, um, and and really the defense is just kind of mediocre. So I, I didn't consider them a, a contender really at all. And then for the Rams, I already had them about as high in my power rankings as they could go. So um, things just kind of went as planned for me. I can't move the Rams up any higher than I kind of already have them. I don't feel it's fair to drop the Pagers any below to any further below to where I had them because again I was as bearish on that team as humanly possible. So uh, what, what did you what did you take from Thursday night, if anything? I'll say I'll say um, I'll, I mean uh, yeah, as you said, it didn't really change much. I thought I, I still don't see the Rams as a true contender just because. I think if, you know, we saw kind of exactly what the Rams are. Like, they, they're a good enough team without Goff um, that they could win the Super Bowl. But the quarterback is just not good enough to, to get them all the way there. And it feels to me like that Super Bowl run a couple of years ago, that's kind of the ceiling again. Um, and, you know, whoever you play, if you do get there, you're still going to get someone who can shut you down with two weeks to prepare um, if they yep. can counteract the McVay scheme. So, um yeah, you know, a very good team, certainly, uh, all, over the, all over the place, except uh, the most important position. Yeah, Brett, uh, I don't know what you what you took from it, but I mean, look, they they won handily, but an I mean, three throws off the top of my head that were like JV high school level throws by Jared Goff, one of which ended up in an interception, one missed for a one missed for another first down, one was just a wide open uh miss that would have been a big gain. It wasn't like it was uh picked or anything like that, but uh you know, those are the type of plays you don't see those type of things from the Mahomeses and the breezes and any of these guys that we, any of these quarterbacks for these teams that we think legitimately could make a run at this. You don't really see that that often. Yeah. And unfortunately for the Rams, they're locked into a really bad contract with golf for a long time. So, I mean, they're kind of stuck with him at this point because they might be a quarterback short of being an elite football mm-hmm. team uh, in this specific spot on Thursday. Yeah, we talked about this game a bit uh, on the on the Wednesday podcast. My initial look had me leaning toward the Rams. And then, like like you said, the, the line dropped and I couldn't figure out why. Uh, and it didn't end up mattering because the Rams just pulverized New England. And what to me set up is a great fade New England spot. You know, fresh off that silly win over the Chargers, which I guess moved the line for this game two points. It didn't make any sense to me. So um, this was just a much different spot. Uh, for the Patriots because you can't run straight against Aaron Donald and running straight is what the Patriots do best. You have to balance the offense and throw the football against the Rams and New England's just terrible when they're forced to into that style of offense. And that's why they scored three points on Thursday night. So (laughs) uh, yeah, my feelings toward the Patriots didn't really change much. I didn't have a, a whole lot of faith in this, in this team to begin with. And that's why I was on the Rams. So let's kick things off here for week 14, the Chiefs and the Dolphins. The Chiefs are seven and a half point favorites in this one at uh, DraftKings, seven point favorites over at FanDuel. We're looking at about a 50 and a half total 
on this one. Brad, let's start things off with you. Kansas City continues to just be Kansas City. Goes out there and uh, Patrick Mahomes each and every single week just continues to prove that he is probably, barring injury, going to end up as one of the greatest to go, greatest to ever play the game, if not the very greatest to ever play the game. And then you look on the other side and you have this Dolphins team that has you know, shocked a lot of people already over their season win total, vying for a playoff spot here. Um, but they find themselves at home as, you know, as big as a seven and a hook underdog to the Chiefs. What do you see in this one? Yeah, I like the Chiefs here if you can get that minus seven. Um, I think it's I think it's just a nice matchup all over the park, really. So we've spoken about the Chiefs before when they're playing A, the Ravens, and then B, the Bucks, where you know blitz-heavy teams who want to blitz and play man behind it. The, Mahomes is just the best in the league against the blitz, you know, statistically, because A, he gets the ball out so quick, and then B, his, his receivers can beat man, you know, <laughs> whoever you put on Tyreek, he's going to beat them, and, and same for Kelsey. Um, and if you double those two, then the others are good enough to beat you. So, I, you know, I don't think the Dolphins... They're in, they're in a bit of a bind because they are, they either blitz like they always do. They, they play the most cover zero and cover one in the league and Mahomes beats you that way. Or they change who they are. They play coverage and play some zone and rush four. But then they, they don't really have the pass rushes on their own to, to get to get there either. So I see the Chiefs just doing what they usually do, scoring their, their 30 points. And then it comes down to, to Tua. Um, and again, I think everyone who's listened regularly knows my thoughts on Tua. You know, they're 31st in the NFL in, in EPA per play with, with Tua in there. The offensive line is still like 30th in pass block win rate. They're missing their right guard here. And that's, I think that's going to be a problem against Chris Jones um, on the, on the Chiefs D line. I know, I know Frank Clark has not done a lot there to help him out this year, but there's still going to be a mismatch inside. Um, and yeah, he's, he's a young, young quarterback who I think will be behind and forced to throw against a good, a good pass defense. So I think it could get nasty. My concern, honestly, is that, you know, it's like a, 20 point lead for the Chiefs in the third quarter. They they pull to her and Fitz leads them on a couple of late touchdown drives. Mm. Um so so maybe first half might be the way to go, probably like minus four and a half or so. Uh Brett, taking a look here, I mean, uh, you know, we I could sit here and heap praises on, you know, Patrick Mahomes all day long. But let's just go to the offense as general in general. Number one overall offense, DVOA. It is the number one overall offense according to Pro Football Focus. It is the number one pass offense, DVOA. It is the number two offense overall, uh, pass offense overall according to Pro Football Focus. And I mean, their offense, it doesn't really matter what defense they're matching up against. Like their offense is going to find success in some way, shape, or form. So it kind of goes to the other side of the ball. What can Miami's offense do? against this Chiefs defense. And what we find is it's kind of weakness on weakness as opposed to strength on weakness because we know that if you're if there is an Achilles heel to this Chiefs team, it would be their rush, their rush defense. Well, they're 30th overall DBOA in the league. Pro football focus likes them a little bit better at 20th, but still you can tell bottom of the league when it comes to their rush defense. But then you look at Miami, whose rush offense 27th according to DVOA, 29th according to Pro Football Focus. If you look at their yards per rush, they're at 32nd in the league. I mean, it is it is a weakness on weakness as opposed to a strength on weakness, which then at that point, you just go back to Patrick Mahomes and their offense, and they're going to score. So it's kind of hard for me to get to a point where Miami wins this game outright at all. Do you think they can keep it within the seven and a hook? I don't. These and these are the games I love to take the Chiefs in. Kansas City always seems to get the best effort out of all the bad teams they play. 
but the good teams in the NFL seem to get the best out of the Chiefs. Uh, I'm not sure I would classify Miami as a good team yet, but they're they're definitely headed there. Mm-hmm. It looks like they will be a fringe playoff team come week 17. And, and surely Mahomes and Reed and company want to send a message here as they fight for that top seed. Uh, like Brad talked about, this sets up really well for, for Kansas City against a team that blitzes as often as Miami does. And probably needs to blitz as often as they do because they don't generate a lot of organic pressure. Organic pressure. Uh, Miami leads the NFL in blitz rate, only tenth in pressure rate and sacks. And yeah, we've seen what Mahomes and Andy Reid do to these blitz-heavy defenses uh, like Baltimore. So I'm very curious to see what Brian Flores brings at Mahomes on Sunday. Either way, I don't think it's going to be enough to counter what the Chiefs can do offensively. And and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised to see a heavy dose of of Clyde early on in this game, attack the mm-hmm. biggest weakness of this Miami defense, get them off balance, and then attack them through the air with the, with the play action. Uh, you know, we, we've said it so many times, Kansas City can come at you in so many different ways, and uh, they do seem to bring their best against good teams. I expect that to happen here. I'm heavy on the Chiefs. I have them on my circuit card. I'll have this in my account as well. I think this is going to be a blowout. Yeah, I like the Chiefs as well. I actually kind of lean towards the under in this as well. I would like to see a 51 before I played it, um, 50 and a half. Listen, I don't play a ton of quote-unquote key numbers and totals these days with the scoring in the NFL. It's kind of hard to figure out, but uh, I do care about 51. Um, you know, so many different ways to make 51, and um, I do actually care about that number. So I, if should this thing get to 51, it gives me a little bit of push equity. Um, I would play the under in this thing as well. I do like the Chiefs, and if we can get another half-point tick on this puppy, I would like to get down on the under. Um, Brett, let's go to the text, uh, the Titans and the Jags. Another one of these, um, you know, seven, seven-and-a-half-point spreads this week. Listen, this is a teaser player's dream week if you <laughs> are into those. I mean, and I'll admit, uh, the, I already have a huge round-robin of teasers this week, uh, and Chiefs being part of that as well in that game, and this one also being a part of it as well with uh, Tennessee and Jacksonville. Uh, again, seven points right now is the spread over at DraftKings. We're looking about the same most places right now. There is a seven, there is a seven and a half uh, at FanDuel as well. So there's a hook if you do want the Jags in this thing. Um, Brett, look, I mean the Titans. We know it's we know what it is with this team, right? I mean they're they're the NFL's bully. They can get ahead of you. They can bully you with Derrick Henry. Um, not really built to come from behind. I think we saw some of that come to fruition last week, uh, though they were just beat down early in that one against the Browns. Uh, Defense is a problem here for this Titans uh, team, but do the Jags have on offense what it takes to take advantage of the weakness, which is the defense there, uh, specifically the pass defense of this Titans team? How do you see this one playing out? I think they do have enough offense. I, I capped this right at seven and a half. Uh, if you can get Tennessee at minus seven early in the week, I, I guess good job. I think this probably mm-hmm. ends up north of seven, um, and that would be a pass for me. I just don't think Tennessee is good. I mean, the, yeah, they've beaten up on some bad teams this year, but defensively mm-hmm. they've gotten worse, it seems, as the season has gone on. And that's why I like the over here. Another Jags. Oh, I bet the Jags over every single week because they've proven capable of scoring against really bad defenses, 25 plus in nearly all of these games against poor defenses. And we know this Titans defensive unit is going to give up points. So I, I like the over 52 and a half here. That's my play. Um, no strong lean on, on the side, though. 
Brad, I mean, very small sample size since Glennon has taken over, but he has been the most aggressive quarterback in the league. Nobody has thrown more passes over 20 yards downfield than Glennon has. He's just like, whatever, human giraffe coming at you, baby. Let's do this. You know, let's throw the ball down the field as, as much as we can. Problem being, Chark has been banged up um, and hasn't really made a bunch of big plays here. And, you know, they don't have, I mean, Chenault is not a burner. Chenault's like a 4-7 guy, actually. He's a possession a possession receiver and, and things. Four six guys. So I, I I um I look at I look at this one. Um, I, I don't mind the take that uh, Brett comes with with points being in this deal because listen, if they are going to be aggressive, there is a weakness in this Titan secondary for sure. So he doesn't even necessarily have to be efficient if they can get a couple of splash plays and things like that. If he just continues to be, if he continues to do what he has been doing over the last couple of starts, I don't necessarily think he has to be all that efficient for maybe there to be some points scored in this one. But I also am with Brett. I am probably the most bearish guy on the Tennessee Titans on the face of the planet. So I am a bad guy to handicap this game because I think they're garbage and it's really tough for me to, to look at this thing unbiased. What say you? Um, I'm with Brett on the over well, mm-hmm. and, and you as well. Um, so Tannehill now, since he's been with the Titans, this stat's been thrown around quite a lot. That he's 19-3-1 to the over. Um, and it's just not been reflected in the line, if you ask me. Like They, they keep scoring a load of points. They can't stop anyone. And the total's still like just not that high. Um, you know, there's no way the Jaguars are stopping this team. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Titans are third in offensive DVOA. Jags are like 31st in defensive DVOA. So they're, they're going up and down the field. Um, and then the Titans are also to like 28th in defensive DVOA. So Glennon, as you say, he'll come there. He'll throw up some long balls to Chark. Whether he gets picked off or right. you know, he fumbles or he completes them, then we don't care because it's, you know, it's points either way. So yeah, I, I, I have bet the over here and I would say, I would have made it 54 and a half at least. I don't really know why it's down here. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah. I mean, it seems to me points, points one way or another in this one. So I, I understand. Uh, let's look at the Cardinals and the Giants. This is an interesting spread that might not have been this just a week ago, but here we sit as the Giants as three-point dogs at home against the Arizona Cardinals. Now, we said here on the podcast, or at least I was preaching it, um, Look, Kyler Murray is not right. Um, I've been trying to say that for the past three weeks, and I think that has come to fruition whenever you watch this team play. He is not the same player. He's hesitant to tuck the ball and run it. His accuracy throwing the ball is not as good either. And it has really kind of played out in over the last few games for this Arizona Cardinals team. That being said, uh, the Giants, look, they're all right. This defense has certainly come around. Uh, for this Giants team where, you know, it's a formidable unit. They're not going out there and just giving up a boatload of points every time they step on the field. Offense, to me, still quite suspect with everything. But, uh, Brad, they are catching three at home, a total of 45 and a half. Yeah, I'm not involved with this one just mm-hmm. because we don't know what we're getting with Daniel Jones. Obviously, he's coming back from that hamstring. Um and we, it sounds like he's probably not going to be sort of at full strength as a runner. And mm-hmm. that's been quite a big part of their game recently. Um, so that's keeping me off it. Because otherwise, I, I think they're a good matchup here. Um, so just defensively, I think they should have decent a decent chance at shutting down the Cardinals. A, they, they stop the run quite well. Um, and B, they, they're just going to stick Bradbury on Hopkins, um, take him out of the game. And then 
And then, well, I mean, what they were doing last week when they were rushing Russell Wilson, it was like rush four, but everyone just keep your eye on the quarterback. You're all spies sort of rather than just trying to get upfield, just keep in the pocket and make him pick you apart and then play cover two behind it. So, you know, intermediate, you've got to force him to throw sort of 15 yard outs or, or whatever. And I, th- I think it's just the exact same game plan here. Make Kyle Murray stay in the pocket and beat you like, over the middle of the field and, you know, in that intermediate area. And he's not really shown he can do it because he doesn't really have any weapons beyond Hopkins. And as I say, Bradbury is on Hopkins. So yeah, I can't really see the Cardinals scoring too many, but there's just enough uncertainty around what we're getting from Daniel Jones that uh, it's a no bet, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, Brett, I don't have anything on the card for me either in this one. And mainly because I have two question marks, not only Daniel Jones, but I, I'm still questioning Kyler Murray. I mean, this, this, the, what made the Cardinals an offense that was scary early in the season was the fact that that he was running for 50 plus yards every single game. He was not hesitant at all to do, you know, as soon as the coverage broke down and he saw a lane, he was gone. He was extending plays. He was picking up first downs to extend drives. And we have not seen that since that Thursday night game where he got hit and nothing, you know, something happened to that shoulder of his. And I understand that he's not showing up on the injury report each week. I think he's just playing through some stuff. I mean, they keep asking Cliff Kingsbury about it, and he keeps saying, like, yeah, you know, he's dealing with some stuff, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, they're they're all but saying he's not right, but they're just not putting it on, a, on an actual injury report here. So, for me, with two with both quarterbacks, me having questions as to what both quarterbacks are going to bring to the table, it's very hard for me to have a, a solid opinion on a game. Yeah, I'm having the same problems here. Uh, he's not on the injury report. If we are to believe that he's healthy again, I think this line should be three, maybe even three and a half, because this is, like you said, this is a very different team when he is at full strength. Uh, the look ahead on this game was three. It got as high as three and a half last Sunday morning and then dropped to one and a half after the Giants beat Seattle. And now it's back to three again with the positive Kyler Murray news. So I I don't know what to make of this game, honestly. The, the stock on the Giants is at an all-time high right now and whether it's Daniel Jones or Colt McCoy under center I just I can't buy them at this price and I have no idea what to do with the Cardinals right now so this is also a no bet for me maybe it's an underlook here chaps just mm-hmm. just from what we're all saying we've got <laughs> questions about the quarterbacks and their mobility and you know about anyone's chances to to move the ball that well so maybe under 45 is is a look yeah Could I'll be? take a I might dig in that a little bit just to just to take a figure um all right, so the Vikings and the Bucks, one of the games I think a lot of people are going to be paying attention to this week. I know I am for a couple of different reasons. One, the Vikings right in the mix in the playoffs. Um, their offense has been arguably over the last month and a half of the season, one of the better offenses in the league, probably a top 10 offense. Now the defense leaves a little bit to be desired as always, but the offense has been rocking and rolling. Uh, the Bucks coming off of a bye, one of the uh, the last team to have a buy in the NFL and maybe Brett, this was something this team really, really needed. They were having an incredible amount of success early in the season on the defensive side of the ball. We hit about week nine and it started to slowly erode about a week, eight, week nine, week 10. We like, we started to see this defense. I don't know if they were getting worn down. I don't know if other teams were getting enough tape where they were figuring out what they were doing. That was giving them so much success early in the season but something happened where this Bucks defense went from an elite unit to more of kind of like, okay, it's a good defense, but nothing that we're really afraid of at all. Uh, another week for Antonio Brown to maybe get worked into the offense here for this team. 
as well. Scotty Miller was a huge contributor to this team, and then he just gets shunned to the sidelines as soon as Antonio Brown gets active, and then this offense starts sputtering all over the place. So maybe they just needed a little bit of extra time to get him worked in as well. But we are looking at six and a half right now in favor of the Bucks. 52 and a half is your total. Yeah, it's an interesting game. This line has not moved once on DraftKings this mm. week. Open six and a half has not budged. And I get it. I think this is a perfect number for this game. Seven feels too high. Six feels too low to me. So I, I don't have a whole lot here. Um, feels like it should be a good spot to buy Minnesota after they nearly lost to a Jacksonville team that has literally nothing to play for except for the number one overall pick. But at the same time, they were already overvalued in the market, I felt like. So... I don't know what to make of that team right now. And on the other side, this Bucks team coming off the bye. But yeah, unless they fix some of these issues on defense and, and even offense, I don't view them as an elite team that should be laying seven against a playoff contender that can score points. So this is a full stay away for me. I am, I'm interested to see what the Bucks look like off the bye because we have seen flashes of them being you know that elite team this year. Mm-hmm. Haven't seen it lately though. So yeah, that'll be interesting to watch. Brad, this is an interesting one for me because I have the Bucks in that teaser rotation that I was talking to you about, but I also don't love the six and a half. I think so. It's weird for me that I'm like, I actually think the Bucks win the game. Uh, the six and a half, though, is a little weird of a number for me. I mean, it's it's when you take a look at this uh, Bucks defense, I mean, the advanced metrics still love them. But I mean, I think we all have enough. I mean, we've watched enough football. We have eyeballs. We've watched them over the last month and a half of the season. It is certainly not the same defense that we saw in the first half of the season. I mean, DBOA, they still like them. They're three overall. They uh, PFF still likes them. They're six overall when it comes when it comes to that. You know, I mean, so the advanced metrics do love them early down. Success defense is way up there. You know, I mean, early down EPA is way up there as well. So I mean, there are. There are a lot of different things that say this this Bucks defense is still really, really good. I just have watched them get shredded by guys that I'm like, hey, something's not right here. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball, that's where I'm more interested in all of this because that offense had gotten very, very clunky. And whether it was those guys wearing down, I mean, you know, Brady's old. Uh, Mike Evans has battled injuries throughout the course of his career. Chris Godwin finally got the pins taken out of his finger that he was playing with 10 pins in his finger like what in the hell and this guy's like playing with 10 pins in his finger so i mean do they drop the ball i know it's like do they turn this around do they figure out you know how do you how to utilize antonio brown that's like the biggest question for me with tampa bay i have faith that they will be able to beat this minnesota defense that really to me um is 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 pretty overrated. I think this defense is, has shown time and time again that they can get shredded. Uh, six and a half right now, Brad, and also looking at a total up there at 52 and a half. Um, so I think the, the thing I'm most confident about here is the Bucks scoring some points. Um, I don't think there's going to be any pass rush getting to Tom Brady whatsoever. Um, you know, the, the Vikings are one of these teams that, we talk about where if if they're neutral in the trenches, they've, they've got the skill position players that they can they can beat you. They've got the cornerbacks they can cover you. But if you if you block them and keep them out, then you can tread them here. Um, and you know this is a very good very good offensive line and a very bad pass rush. So Brady's going to be sat back there, and we know the book on him now as well as a, as an older player. 
give him time and, and he's probably going to shred you like what he did against the Panthers a couple of times. Um, and w- what was interesting that last game against the Chiefs, um, I was watching that one quite closely because I had a bet on, I think it lost. Um, but um, Romo was saying that they were, they were running a lot more New England plays rather than the Arians offense, which mm-hmm. seems to be just go routes, which is just not that efficient. Uh, he, he was saying there was, there was more New England plays out there and Brady looked more comfortable running those concepts. So I, I would I would hope that, that that's right. been a lot of what they've been doing in the last couple of weeks is just installing more of that. Right, right. this guy's won five Super Bowls running these concepts. Let's just do that again. Can we? Um, so I, I would hope there'd be some of that. Um, you know, you would, you would think Brady would benefit from the time off as well, being, being as you say, quite old. Um, so I like them to score a lot of points. When the Vikings have the ball, I've been going backwards and forwards on this one for a while. I don't think they'll be able to run the ball with Dalvin Cook. Um, they love the outside zone and the Bucks are pretty much the best in the league at stopping the outside zone. So if you A, stop the run and B, make them play from behind, then you've got Kirk Cousins just dropping back mm-hmm. with no play action and you knowing he's going to pass. And I don't think that's a good situation for Kirk Cousins. Um, obviously, they've got receiver talent and there's looks like the, the cornerback Jamel Dean might be out. So they might move the ball a bit, um, but I, I'm more on the side that, that Kirk's going to struggle and throw a couple of picks. So I've not bet the game, but I think minus six and a half is probably a shade of value. So, or, or maybe the Bucks team total um, and just stay away from the Viking side of it completely. Yeah, I am. Like I said, this is part of that teaser rotation for me. I've taken the six and a half down to basically a pick them. It's a half point. Uh, the I just need the Bucks to win. This is like the ultimate cop out thing for me to say. But I feel like this is a field goal game, or the Bucks win by like seventeen. Like I, I, I don't feel, I don't feel like this plays any. I feel, I feel like this plays uber, uber close, or the Bucks just go in and, and run them. And like so, uh, that's why I just I, I took it down to the. Took it down to the half point, which gives me, you know, all they got to do is basically go out and win this game. And uh, I have a lot of respect for this Vikings offense. I mean, they what what Justin Jefferson is doing out there is ridiculous. I think he should be probably considered way more heavily for the rookie of the year than he has been. Um, but you know, they're kind of one dimension. They're 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 kind of one dimension. They're a really good offense with a very mediocre defense and. Um, you know, I think the Bucks have more ways to win the game. That's why I ended up where I did on that one. Uh, Texans and the Bears. We have the Texans as one point favorites in this one, Brad. A total of 45 and a half. Of course, the Texans, we know their whole story. The coach gets fired. Then they lose Will Fuller due to the... Um, due to his uh, suspension uh, down to, they were only down to two actual, you know, rostered wide receivers had to call up guys off the practice squad, all kinds of stuff like that. And then we know the story with the bears, the most inept offense week after week, after week, after week, they are at least, they are at least consistent and consistently bad. So at least we know what we're getting in the bears every single week, whenever they step on the football field from an offensive standpoint and a defense that, uh, you know, plays really, really hard. They're just getting no help at all from the offense in general. Again, 45 and a half. I understand the low total in this one here. What do you think this, uh, how do you think this one plays out? I think that low total might be the angle here. Um, I'm, I'm not sure it should be 45. So the, the two 
the two worst defensive EPA performances of the Matt Nagy era are the, are the Bears have been the last two weeks. So as in, they've had their two worst defensive performances of the last two weeks. And like last week against the, the Lions, the, the Lions had no weapons. They had no swift. It was, it was Adrian Peterson and like Damian Quintus Cephas beating them downfield. Yeah. So <laughs> it's concerning. I would say, I don't know if they've quit. Like, you know, they've, they've they've just gone, we play hard all year. You still don't have a quarterback for like five years straight now. So I don't know. I don't know if there's a little bit of loss of morale, but I, I thought that was interesting that that was happening. Um, now it's tough to back the, it's tough to back Houston outright um, just because, you know, they're missing their best corner. They're missing their best receivers, but they do have the best player on the pitch in Watson um, on the field. So yeah, Basically, I think the total was this low because of expected weather. But the last update I can see is that it's going to be cold, but just 10 mile an hour winds. Um, and if if that's the forecast, I think this total is going to go way up. Um, I think that will climb a couple of points because it is just too low for the amount of weapons on the field and kind of just how bad the Houston defense is as well. Brett, it is... Uh it is a it is a strength on strength and a weakness on weakness game here as well. Houston offense good, Chicago defense good. Chicago offense terrible, Houston defense terrible. So we have the strength on strength, weakness on weakness game here. I tend to typically lend to the offense that is good in situations like this, but a lot of the stuff that we have seen of course came with Will Fuller on the field, he is no longer there. So this is not the same offense that has rallied, you know, I mean, that has uh, accumulated all these stats and all these accolades throughout the course of the season so far. So um, that said, we definitely know we're not, we're going to get a bad Bears offense. We at least know that for sure. What can, uh, what can Houston pull out of the hat here? Uh, I guess yet to be seen, but again, it's a point, point and a half as we sit right now. I'm done with both of these teams. <laughs> Like the Texans played well last week, except for Deshaun Watson. He had his worst game of the season last week, of course, because I was heavy on the Texans. And they just gave the way the game gave the game away in the fourth quarter with some baffling turnovers, a safety. And maybe, you know, maybe some of that was because of the Will Fuller absence. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I need to see more of what this offense looks like without him. And we've seen we've seen it in the past, but they, they also had DeAndre Hopkins then too. So I need to see more of this offense without Will Fuller. Um, again, though, there's like everything in my body wants me to pull the trigger on Houston again, because they didn't cover last week and they still had Deshaun Watson, but I'm, I'm going to sit this one out. This is a, this is going to be a lesson in game selection for me. So many games this week. Uh, and there are a lot of spots I do like, so I'm just going to keep my distance from the Texans for one week. I think. Yeah, you and me both. This was a this was the not the first game I scratched off, but the second game that I scratched off of my list this week. Uh, listen, it is just a, a lot of unknowns for me. One, will the will the Texans be able to to function without Will Fuller being out there week to week? I mean, last week I think now teams at least you know the Bears and the Bears defense has been good all year. I, I will give them that. The Bears defense has been good all year long. They have a week of tape to see how this offense is going to try to function without Fuller being out there. Kiki Kuti, obviously, uh, being a massive uh, contributor last week for this Texans team, can't imagine that happening again two weeks in a row again against a Texans uh, against a Bears defense that now has at least a little bit of tape to see what's going on with how this Texans team is going to function. So for me, line seems about right. Total seems in the realm of possibility. Cause again, I don't know if the bears can move the ball to score. I, you know, I don't know. So for me, 
uh, pass on this thing and we'll just uh, we'll just move on. And here and we get to my the first game I scratched off the list this week, uh, Brett. And let's go to the Cowboys and the Bengals. It is the Cowboys as three and a half point favorites over the Cincinnati Bengals. Forty two and a half. Yes, you heard me correct. Forty two and a half is your total in an NFL game. In 2020, Brett, I'm sure you have deep, deep, huge analysis of the Cowboys against the Bengals. Not on the side, but I actually do like the over here. Two teams that throw a lot, operate at a fast pace, and neither can defend through the air. Uh, Should be a lot of plays in this game. So more opportunities to score points. This total feels really low to me. I, I, this is one of my favorite plays of the week is the over just because of how these two teams operate. Brad, Bad on bad on bad on bad, bad <laughs> Dallas, bad Dallas offense, bad Dallas defense, bad uh, Cincinnati offense, bad Cincinnati defense. I mean, I don't even need to sit here and 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 throw out all the advanced metrics. Let's just put it this way. They're almost 25th or worst in every single advanced category on both sides of the ball, both of these teams. So we can just kind of give a blanket statement. When it comes to that, um, do you let's put it this way, even if you don't have a play on this. Do you think it's fair for the Cowboys to be a three and a hook favorite over anybody in the NFL with the way that this team has been playing? And then what do you think about that low total? Um, I, yeah, I, I like that angle, to be honest, because I'm I'm confident the Cowboys can move the ball here. Um, again, the book on Dalton is if if he's protected um, with these weapons, they're going to put up points. They're absolutely going to put up points, and he he should be protected here. I mean, I was surprised by how good the the Cowboys' pass protection was on Tuesday night. You and me both, like, man. Like yeah. I thought it was going to be a nightmare. Yeah. Um, he wasn't. I, I, he I, wasn't even sacked until the fourth quarter in that game. They they punted once. Yeah, they yeah. were just going up and down the field. Um, and I don't know if that's the, if that's a Ravens thing. If like the the pass rush because Calais Campbell looked injured or they were goosed or maybe the Cowboys O line is is better than we thought. Maybe they're working out the chemistry. I don't know. But either way, they they should be able to keep out the Bengals here. And then it's you know it's it's CD Lamb, it's Amari Cooper against just a bunch of Bengals no names. So they should score a lot. And the Cowboys defense. I mean, I could have scored that touchdown that Lamar scored just run up, run up the middle there. Like the the linebacker was just going the wrong way. I don't know what gap he was filling, but it was not even close to where the ball was. So you would think the Bengals would have some success. You know. Like they, I think the Cowboys are that poorly coached that they should be able to score twenty or so. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm confident the Cowboys can uh, can rack up a few points here as well. So yeah, I like that look. An incredibly, incredibly low total. Um, Brett, there is actually at MGM, there is a forty-one and a half hey. on this game hey, at man. MGM right now. So again, uh, if you like Cowboys the, if you like the over, if you like, uh, it seems that that Brad and Brad do head over to MGM. You are getting a full point, a 41 and a half over there on MGM for this one. So be sure and take advantage of the best numbers as we say each and every week. All right. The Broncos and the Panthers, some definitely some curious games this week. We hit three in a row here with this Texans, Bears, Cowboys, Bengals, and then now the Broncos and the Panthers does not look like Christian McCaffrey is going to be back out there for the Panthers. I'm sure everybody in fantasy football playoffs is beating their head against the wall. They thought they would at least get Christian McCaffrey back for the uh, for the playoffs. It does not look like that's going to be the case here. The Panthers are three and a half point 
favorites in this game. There are threes out there as well. Seems to be that this thing is uh, this thing could be on the this thing could be on the move. It looks like there are people who are betting this game um, all over the place. Actually, as we as as we speak, as we sit here, this thing has moved to two and a half at some places. So uh, you can get the Panthers under a field goal, Brad, if you wanted them. Um, do do you know what's happening with Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore? Because I obviously they're, they're on the COVID list currently, and I cannot find any information as to whether they'll play or whether I, they'll I could not either. Chance. Yeah, yeah, I could not either. But the line is moving in favor of the Panthers, so maybe there's maybe there's some news on that front or something. Yeah, so that that's worth keeping an eye on. But I want to be on the Panthers here because the Broncos cornerback situation is an absolute mess. So uh, Bryce Callahan, who was he was the slot corner. He was PFF second graded cornerback in the entire league. He, he's out. He's on injured reserve. AJ Bouye just been suspended for six games, and then their their rookie corner uh, Essang Bassi, who who did take over the nickel after Callahan left, he's also out. So if it, if it's just the Robbie Anderson show, then I think a you know better all the touchdown props over props. Um, but you know, if if the other two are in there, superb. But I think I think the Panthers are going to move the ball, especially in the first half. They're they're one of the one of the good scripts teams. Um, so maybe you probably get minus two and a half first half, which which I like a lot um, because th- these offenses are like poles apart. You know, Broncos are thirty first, thirty second in DVOA early down success rate, and Panthers are kind of top twelve in, in a lot of those same metrics. So those combined with the the injuries at the cornerback position, I think uh, means we should see some points from the Panthers. Uh, Brett, I already know you're going to be on the Broncos because you're on the Broncos every single week. So, um, yeah, I mean, like literally no bigger Broncos fan in the history of the world than Brett Colson's uh, at Brett Colson on Twitter. If you are if you have a, a <laughs> Buffalo area, uh, if you have a Buffalo bar that gets together for Broncos games or something, just uh, yeah, hit him up on Twitter. He'll be there. They are uh, three and a half. They're three. Uh, two and a half is, is on the move. So, again, the uh, the line is moving. They are taking some money. Uh, what do you think about this one? I don't have many thoughts. The The note I have here is that it's a no play until we know more about DJ Moore mm-hmm. and these Panthers wide receivers. Cause that is huge, obviously as, yep. as Brad laid out. So I, yeah, I, this is just kind of a, a wait and see what happens uh, with these COVID designations and uh, kind of go from there. Yeah. I mean, it's look there, some of these games is in the weirdest year ever in 2020. Sometimes we really, we literally have to wait till Saturday evening to decide whether we're going to play them or not. And I think this is the perfect example of one of those games because I mean, it is a completely different look at a team when they have two of their three best receivers out and you have Robbie Anderson is the thing. And it's even different that it's Robbie Anderson. That's the one that would be left because he's probably the least dynamic of all three of those. Right. I mean, he's not the guy that has the huge route tree. He's not the guy that runs all of the crazy, you know, that uh, can run the different types of underneath stuff and things like that. That's not really what Robbie Anderson does. And so, um, yeah, for me, I'm going to have to see what this team has before I can pull the trigger one way or another. The biggest spread of the week, the only spread of the week where we had multiple double digit spreads last week, Brett, we have but one this week. It is the Seahawks and the Jets. The Seahawks are 13 and a half point favorites over the Jets, a total of 47. Uh, you guys don't li- aren't living under a rock, so I don't have to tell you that if you're listening to this podcast that Holy crap, definitely we saw a team throw a football game last week. I don't care what anybody says. That was a that was a team throwing a game. There has never been a team ever 
ever run that defense in that situation since they have been tracking this statistic dating back to 2006. Literally the only time that has ever happened in in the NFL since 2006. So um, uh, anyway, 13 and a half. There is a 14 at MGM as well if you're looking to play the dog. But uh Tough for me to get involved here in this one at two touchdowns. What say you guys? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be boring again here. Uh, all mm. my favorite games are in the late slate. I have no interest in this game. Uh, too many good games on the board in the late slate. Why even try to figure this one out? I, I like like you said, it, this is by far the biggest spread of the week. I just don't I don't see any value in, in going after this one. Brad, you got any angle on Jet Seahawks? I quite like the Jets. Um, oh, all right. I, 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 so I, I took a bit of Jets plus 13 and a half and then Mims was ruled out. So I like it a bit less. But I, I do think the Seahawks offense, A, we, we've spoken a lot that they're running the ball a lot more, mm-hmm. which is the exact wrong thing to do against the Jets. Um, so, you know, I think I think the Seahawks are stupid enough that they'll continue to do that. But B, there is a little bit of a blueprint on Russ over the last month. They're down at 23rd in EPA per play, which is, you know, play too deep so they can't hit the deep ball because that's mm-hmm. that's all they want to do. And then um, just rush, you know, in that sort of controlled manner and keep them in the pocket. And they, they've not yet figured out how to fix it. Now, I, I don't know if the Jets are well coached enough to, to sort of implement that plan. Well, we but know. I think we know they're not well coached, Brad. I mean, like we know, we <laughs> yeah. know that we know that for sure. But uh, yeah, I understand what you're saying. But it's, it's, it's a new new DC in there. So I do think Greg Williams is a massive negative. And I think whoever you've got in there is a, he's got to be an upgrade. Um, and they'll, they'll play for him as well, I think, because they, they don't want to go down in history as, as an ON16 team. So we'll be getting their best effort. And I just don't, you can't trust the Seahawks to win by two touchdowns. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. if they've done it all season. That's just not who they are. Because if they're, if, if they're, if they're up, they're going to start running the ball again. And that's not going to be that effective for them. Um, so yeah, even if they do score early, they just start running the ball and the Jets have got enough weapons, uh, you know, with Crowder and um, Perryman on the outside that I think they can score enough to keep it within two touchdowns. You can do, and you do get the full fourteen over at MGM again, guys. So uh, this is why we yeah, we always yeah why we always preach you know to have multiple accounts so you can take advantage of that stuff. The difference between thirteen and a half and fourteen is pretty big. So uh, fourteen over at MGM. All right, Brad. So uh, let's start here with the Colts and the Raiders. So let's get into some of these afternoon games and some of these games that, uh, you know, definitely have meaning for all of these teams. The Raiders on the outside looking in from the playoffs right now. The Colts in the thick of things there in their division. We are having uh, we are having a 50 and a half sitting right now uh, on the total. A three point favorite is the Colts on the road against the uh, against this Raiders team. What do you think? I think that's low. Like, I think uh, Rob Pizzola said it last week about Vegas. Like this team should never have a total below NFL average, which mm-hmm. which this is in a dome here, because the defense gets zero pass rush, then they they can't cover on the back end, and then the offense is is one of the more efficient in the league, still thirteenth in um, offensive pass DVOA, despite being pretty terrible the last couple of weeks. Um, and, and the Colts defense, obviously early in the year, everyone was sort of raving about it when they stacked up a few wins against an easy schedule, but they've been bottom eight over the last month. You know, teams have, teams have scored on them. They've played good offenses, you know, like the Packers, like the Titans. Um, but again, this, I think this is a good offense here. So I think, 
I think that I think it's just another game where both offenses go up and down the field in mm. in perfect conditions. Um, and again, the, 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 just the nature of the Raiders—they do play slow, but they're both they just give up a lot of points and they score a lot of points. So um, yeah, sometimes it's as simple as that. Brett did uh, you know over the last two weeks we were talking about the uh, the death of T Y Hilton and then uh, all of a sudden last two weeks holy holy hell here comes the the ghost of T Y Hilton rises there in Indianapolis and we have two back to back good games here from from T Y Hilton maybe it took Philip Rivers a little bit longer to. I don't know, maybe figure T.Y. Hilton out, utilize his skill set the best, I don't know. But, uh, you know, getting him involved at the right time, I would definitely say that. Uh, Jonathan Taylor getting going there, kind of taking over the lead roles as well, which is is probably the way that it should be going. Uh, Michael Pittman getting worked in a little bit more. So it seems like the Colts' offense, which was always what I was very skeptical of with this team, seems to be coming into form a little bit more. The defense has always been all right. You know, I think it was overrated for the for the majority of the season. But I, I, you know, it's definitely one of the top half defenses, if not one of the top third defenses. But like Brad said, I mean, this this Raiders team can't stop anybody from going up and down the field here. There are two and a halves out there as well. If you do want the Colts, there are a couple of rogue two and a half. They're a little bit juiced, but uh, you know, obviously I don't have to tell you if you have to pay five extra cents to get a two and a half, you want that over a three all day long. If you like the Colts, uh, what do you think on this one, Brett? Yeah, Matt, you, you and I loved this indie offense coming into the season mm-hmm. with that offensive line and in some of these weapons in, uh, in, we're starting to see, like you said, T.Y. Uh, come into the picture more, a lot of targets. And if you get T.Y. the ball, he can do a lot after the catch as well. So I, I do like the way they're, they're working him back into the offense. And Jonathan Taylor, too. I mean, his usage, his usage has looked much better, uh, especially last week. If they can continue to find ways to get that kid in space, that's a huge boom to this offense. Yes, he's a running back, but I mean, that, this is what they drafted him for. He is dynamic. He's mm-hmm. huge. He's fast. And he's excellent at, at catching the ball out of the backfield and, and doing man, doing great things with the ball. So I, I, I like what they how they've started to work him into the offense as well. So I mean, if this is an offense that is going to look more of what we thought it would look like coming into the year, I think it's time to start buying this team. And I like the over angle here with that that Vegas uh, that Vegas angle. It, it's you know Rivers should be able to carve up this defense, uh, whether it's to T. Y. Hilton or Jonathan Taylor and Heem Hines or tight ends. I mean, I, I don't see any, any problem uh, in the scoring points here. And I, yeah, this 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 Raiders offense is is also pretty efficient. So I expect points in this game. Uh, there, Josh Jacobs did return to practice uh, yesterday. That being said, it was a limited fashion. I think it would work in our favor if he didn't play again because they love to run him. Like, you know, Gruden still loves to run the ball whenever Jacobs is in there. And he does it at the weirdest and most inopportune times as well, which, you know, would not work for us here in this on an over situation. But uh, it's no guarantee. It's no lock that he's going to play. It's no lock that he's going to get the same amount of touches either because he is kind of banged up. I too, I like points in this game. I like the Colts at two and a half. If you can get two and a half in this thing, I like the Colts a lot. Um, it, it basically comes down to their defense is better than the Raiders defense. They will, ev- they will make more stops in this game than the Raiders will. And that's basically while I think it could shoot out and while I think that there will be a lot of points, I also believe this Colts defense has the personnel, has the capability to at least make more stops than the Raiders defense does. It would not surprise me if the Colts don't punt or only punt like one time 
in this game. That's how bad this Raiders team has been. And that's how much they have fallen off over the course of the season as well. I like what I've seen the last two weeks in this rate in this uh, Colts offense as well. I honestly think that they started to figure some things out. I start. I think that they figured out how to best utilize all of these different guys. They have all these different guys that do these different things. Well, like Jonathan Taylor is not named Hines. Hines is not, uh, you know, uh, but T.Y. Hilton is not Pittman and Pittman is not. Where, so I, I think they figured out how that these guys work best in this offense. And it's shown the last couple of weeks as well. So like points. I like the Colts a lot, though. One more thing, if I can, Matt. Um, the first half over might be worth a look as well. Um, we've spoken before about how good the Colts script is, especially in the first quarter. Um, and it's the same with the Raiders. And then the Colts defense has some interesting splits. Don't know if they're real, but they've mm. allowed 100 points in the first half of the last four games and then 13 points in the second half of the last <laughs> four games. So that's 25. Right. Is that, yeah, it's, it's, it's huge splits. 25 a game in the first half over the last four games and then three in the second half per game. So I, I, I don't know if they're really right. good at adjusting or, or what's going on there, but... Uh, yeah, I thought it was interesting. Yeah, and uh, getting healthier too, that defense, which is uh, which is always good. The Packers and the Lions. Uh, this is a seven and a half point spread as we sit right now in favor of the Packers. Like I said, this is a teaser player's dream week. This is also in the rotation here, Brett, uh, getting the Packers down to a point and a half on the Lions. Um, I don't know if I like them at the full seven and a half, but I don't see many paths to victory for this Lions team um, outright against this Packers unit. I mean, look, it's time for us to just talk. I mean, like if it weren't for a guy named, if it weren't for Patrick Mahomes, who is sitting at minus 500 right now for MVP, it would be Aaron Rodgers sitting at minus 500 right now at MVP. I mean, he is playing that good. He has been that efficient. He is playing that smart as well. I don't know if there's a more cerebral quarterback playing the game than, than Aaron Rodgers. He just doesn't make he doesn't put himself in situations to fail. He knows when to throw the ball away. He knows how to throw the ball away. He knows how to avoid sacks. I mean, the guy is just uh, really and truly doing it all right now. Uh, seven and a half is your spread. 55 the total. What do you think, Brett? I like Green Bay a lot. I mean, we saw what Aaron Rodgers did to this secondary, secondary the first time around. I don't know why it would be any different this week. I mean, look at this matchup on paper. Green Bay offense, DVOA second, Detroit 32nd. PFF offense, Green Bay second, Detroit 32nd. I mean, this is the very best against the very worst <laughs> and what they do on that side of the ball. Uh, and, and Detroit got its big FU to Matt Patricia out of the way last week. This could very well be an air out of the tires performance from the Lions. In fact, it's it's because Detroit found that miraculous cover last week that this number isn't nine and a half or ten. I think that's that's probably where it would be if Detroit didn't win last week. Uh, so I, I have to give a heavy lean to Green Bay here. Uh, a very meaningful game, seven and a half. Uh, I, I like them at eight. Hell, even eight and a half. I would probably bet Green Bay here. This offense is just too good. Yeah. And the Lions, uh, as we know, uh, there's just nothing left for them to play for. And this this defense is absolutely atrocious. No Okuda, no Kenny Galladay yet again. We keep talking about this over and over again. But like, I mean, this offense is just completely different with no Kenny Galladay out there. Um, like I said, teaser players dream leg for me. Uh, this is going to be in every single teaser I play. It will be connected to to this one. Brad, um, do you think the Lions have a shot here? 
Um, not really, no. Mm. I mean, that teaser leg, we don't really have access to t- teasers over here in the UK, but that, that is perfect. Um, I, just to kind of go a little bit further on what Brett was saying, there will be just no pressure on Rodgers. You know, they've got the best pass blocking line in the league and the Lions come in with a 28th ranked pass Mm. rush. So he's going to have all the time in the world back there. And then the Lions are missing a lot of their key corners, as you say, um, with Okuda, I think Justin Coleman out. So that's going to be a bloodbath. So the the question is whether, whether the Lions score enough to A, push it over, or do I just want to take Green Bay? Um, right, right. And I, th- I think I probably prefer the over 55, or just Green Bay team total, if you want to just stick with that. But if, you, if you're betting big, I think probably the over 55 is better. What I thought what was interesting last week was Stafford's depth of target went up from like 7.5 to 13.8 last week. So that, that was what they were doing last year when Bevel first came in there. They were throwing deep, and it was a very efficient offense before Stafford got hurt. And it seems like they went back to that a bit um, so, and, and that would be a good thing because this Green Bay, this Green Bay defense is 20th by, by DVOA. So they, they can be scored on, um, Stafford, it seems healthier. So I think I probably prefer the over 55, uh, to the Green Bay side. Cause I do think the Lions, you know, there will be live for that back door late, um, so yeah, over 55 for me. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the, the, that's the only scary thing, which is why I love the teaser leg in this and not the seven and a half is look Stafford. We've seen this his whole career. What well, he's played on bad teams, basically his whole career. We've seen him go in. He's like the king of somehow ending up with 400 passing yards, like in yeah. a game that they, you know, like he, he, he just knows how to get garbage time, like nobody's business. And that's the thing that only, that's the only thing that scares me about the seven and a hook because God, we have seen that a million times with this dude. Like you're looking up and you're like, oh, he's got 225 yards passing in early in the third quarter. And then like the game's rolling around. He's like, how does this guy get 410 passing yards? It's just like, they just start airing it out every single time. And, and he is so, so, so good at that. But uh, I love, love, love this as a teaser leg to get it down to, to one and a half. And if anything, it would certainly be an overlook or pass for me uh, in this. Cause again, I, I, I know the Packers are going to score, and uh, I believe that the Lions will score as well in this thing. Uh, Brad, a very interesting angle here. The Saints and the Eagles. We have Taysom Hill versus Jalen Hurts. As everybody thought, whenever the Saints and the Eagles were going to meet in week 14, we would have Taysom Hill versus Jalen Hurts. It is a seven-point spread in favor of the Saints. Again, like I said, this is a teaser player's dream week this week. All of these right-on-a-touchdown spreads and being able to take those things down through the seven, through the three um, is just is just amazing. Um, so we know now that um, they have at least for a game moved on from Carson Wentz, leading the league in sacks, leading the league in interceptions, leading the league in football. Like every bad category that you could possibly be leading, Carson Wentz was leading. Um, it was a very small sample size, but at least Hurt stepped in and looked like he had confidence in the pocket. At least he was throwing confident balls. He didn't complete a bunch of them, but at least it didn't look like he was sitting back there, you know, deer in the headlights, which is what we see from Wentz so often this year. Do you think fundamentally this changes how you view this team for better or worse? And two, do you think the seven is uh, is enough for them to cover? I don't think he can be worse than Wentz, can he? Um, I, I, so <laughs> right. I, I, I'm, I'm no I'm no college expert, but listening to a few smart people this week talk about their concerns with 
the Oklahoma quarterbacks. Like obviously Kyler and um, Baker Mayfield both came out of there, and they maybe have not yet lived up to to the number one hype that they that they had just because of how well schemed that Oklahoma offense was. Um, so you know, I wonder if Hertz is is that good at throwing the ball. It, I'm interested. I think they're going to scheme up a lot of run plays, you know, a lot of inverted veer, a lot of these running quarterback plays and stuff like that. So maybe first half um, might be an angle there when they throw a load of things at the Saints that they haven't seen. Um, but beyond that, I don't think they're going to be effective through the air. And I think the longer the game goes on, um, you know, the, the more and more they're going to tamp down on on Hurts here. Um, I, I bet that said, I still think Taysom Hill is just not good at throwing the ball either. Um, and obviously the strength of the Eagles is their D-line and stopping the run. Um, but then that's all factored into the price. So I, I don't really have a bet here. Um, maybe I would go Eagles first half, but I've not bet it personally. Yeah, Brett, I think the Saints win. I don't see a path to victory for uh, Jalen Hurts making his first start in the NFL against arguably the best defense in the NFL over the last month and a half. If, if not, if it's behind the Steelers, then it's it's a little bit behind the Steelers. So it would it, you know it could be a 1A, 1B type situation for this uh, New Orleans team. And we talked about it here on the pod. The biggest problem with the Saints earlier on, it's just, they just weren't healthy. They couldn't get all of the players on that defense on the field at the same time. And now that they've finally gotten all these guys out there, they're wreaking havoc on everybody. I mean, they're causing all kinds of hell out there. And um, it seems like a pretty bad situation for Jalen Hurts to make his first start in the NFL. But then again, you know, it, there is a Taysom Hill factor. They Taysom Hill is going to still have to score points on this Eagles defense that has has played pretty well for the majority of the season. So um, seven is a big number in the NFL, a small total coming in at 43. What do you think about this? It is a big number, and I struggle laying seven points with Taysom Hill, but this does check a lot of boxes for me when the Saints won. This is a, it's a bad matchup for the Eagles defense all season. This team has feasted on quarterbacks uh, who drop back a lot. The, it's the only strength mm-hmm. of this of this team is they get pressure on the quarterback. Seventh in the NFL, mm-hmm. uh, seventh in pass rush win rate, second in sacks, and the Saints don't operate by dropping back with Taysom Hill. Meanwhile, this defense has really struggled against mobile quarterbacks, Daniel Jones, Lamar Jackson. Uh, they've also struggled against teams who get the ball out quick to running backs, and Alvin yeah. Kamara is as good as it gets in the NFL. So we might see more usage out of him in this game, get him more involved. Second, I'm not sure this team is any better with Jalen Hurts for the reasons you guys already laid out. You know, as bad as Carson Wentz has looked this year, this is this is still a rookie quarterback making his first start against an elite defense with concepts he's never seen before. Um, so I think the Saints mm-hmm. defense is going to cause fits for this kid. He'll be able to use his legs to get out of trouble more than Carson Wentz would be able to, but this is still a, a massive mismatch in favor of New Orleans on that side of the football. And the Saints have been planning for him all week. So I, I like the Saints quite a bit here. Like I said, just a dream, dream, dream teaser players week this week. Getting the Saints down to a point um, is just so incredibly, it's just so incredibly awesome for me. This, I mean, look, what we do know is that this is that this Eagles offensive line is complete garbage, and there is going to be a lot of pressure. I mean, thirtieth in pressure rate allowed. 32nd in adjusted sack rate. By the way, there's only 32 teams in the NFL, if you're wondering. So that's dead last. And we know what the Saints team has been doing very, very well here lately. And that defensive side of the ball has really, really amped up. I think they're going to make his life hell back there. Um, 
so yeah, I, it would be the seven. I'd be, I'd be laying it. Or again, you can take this. All of these teaser legs this week seem so, so amazing. Getting the Saints down to one, uh, pairing that up with the with the with the Packers down to one as well. Uh, give me that all day long. Love, love, love this situation. That one thing I will say: the player props are not out yet, but I would take a look whenever they do come out as to whatever Hertz's rushing yardage is, because I agree with you all. I think that they're going to try and utilize. Yeah, like utilize mm-hmm. whatever he brings that Car that that that, that uh, Carson Wentz does not, and I think that they're going to try and utilize his legs a lot in this game. So if you see his rushing total in like you know low thirties, mid thirties, I would be on the over on that all day long. I think, um, Brett. I mean, you you play some DFS, I play some DFS. Like I I think the the baseline for his legs in this game is probably like forty yards. Yeah, I'm not sure I would play him this week, <laughs> but I think I think Hertz is a pretty good option going forward because of what he can do with his legs. And I think it's worth yeah. noting also the, this offensive line, how bad they look in these metrics. I think a lot of this skewed because of how the indecisiveness yeah. of Wentz in the pocket. So I think it's a little unfair to 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 give that label to this Eagles offensive line that they're this bad because I think they're a little better than the numbers show but um, I guess that'd be an advantage to, to Hertz this week as well but as we know you know I mean even with that they are down you know they're down Lane Johnson they're you know yeah, like, uh, so sure. so yeah I mean it, there, there's there's some there's some uh, injuries on there as well so it seems like we all we all definitely like the uh, the Saints in this one to varying degrees again I think that teaser leg is one of my favorites of the week if not my very favorite of the week the Washington football team against the 49ers. So let's, uh, Brett, this is a football team here that won right in the mix of the playoffs at this point. Two has had a pretty good defense all year long. And maybe is ha- maybe this defense is playing as good as it's played all year long here when it matters most. Whenever you take a look at all that, of course, coming off of that win over the Steelers where the Steelers jump out to a 14, nothing lead and then only score three points the rest of the game, which was uh, we talked about many times and we'll, we'll talk about it with the Steelers a little bit later, how that offense is sputtered uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Alex Smith, listen, he's brought stability to the position. Now he's not great. He still makes some pretty bad throws every now and then, but for the most part, he has brought some stability to this team and has made the offense look at least, um, at least like an offense that you would be worried about, you know, a little bit. So uh, three point dogs are the Washington football team on the road at the 49ers. Again, another incredibly low total for 2020 coming in in the 43 and a half range. What say you? Yeah, I, this is kind of a fun one. Uh, mm-hmm. The line moved. It's now two and a half points off the look ahead after the teams had very different outcomes on Monday night football. I actually think Washington is pretty good. And it's because they built this defense using the same blueprint mm-hmm. as the team they're facing this week. They start everything up front. They get pressure on the quarterback. Uh, unfortunately, the Niners don't have the pieces on the defensive line that produced all that success last season. Kind of a shell of what they were last year. So I do understand why this line moved uh, off the, the five, five and a half look ahead after they got carved up by Josh Allen last week. I, I don't know how either of these teams score in this game, though. Like they're both quite bad on offense. Neither team has an advantage on that side of the ball, really, in in any matchup. 
I had a really hard time finding a path to over 43 and a half here. You know, we've talked all season about the increase in points scored because of the new advantages to the passing games in 2020, but neither of these teams like to air it out. Washington's passing game is essentially an extension of the running game with the amount of times they just dump it off to the running backs. Alex Smith has the lowest air yards per attempt in the NFL, and he's seventh in completion percentage. So while it looks like he's throwing the ball a lot, that's a bit misleading. They're essentially just running the football a lot. So I expect this game to finish pretty quickly with a lot of without a lot of points going up on the board. I like the under. It's 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 a scary low total, but I don't I don't I don't know how this goes over a lot here. Brad, I think that we probably and I say we not necessarily us, but just people in general have not really talked enough about how good this Washington defense is number four overall DBOA, number two overall, according to Pro Football Focus, their pass defense, third overall DBOA, second overall, according to Pro Football Focus, rush defense, 10th, according to DBOA, seventh, according to Pro Football Focus, their third overall in sacks, their fourth in pass rush win rate, win rate. They are really good at keeping teams from having or having early down success. They are sixth overall theirs, fifth overall early down EPA, uh, fourth yards per pass. It is like they are actually, you know, when we start talking about what is one of the very, very best defenses in the league, this Washington team fits the bill really across the board against the pass, against the run, their pass rush as well. I mean, every single thing you're looking for here, I guess the answer, I mean, the question really in this one is, do they have what it takes to um, to keep this 49ers team off the scoreboard? I mean, I think we saw the 49ers last week kind of, kind of become who they are really. I mean, I don't think that they're as bad as we saw last week, but I don't think they're as good as we've seen in the previous weeks either with all the injuries, all the stuff that's going on. Mullins just limits so much of everything when he's, when he's back there. Um, I think the 49ers are kind of just kind of who they are is, is what we saw a little bit more last week. What do you think of this one as three? There is a three and a hook. So if you wanted the Niners, there's a three available. If you wanted the football team, there is a three and a hook available, which is, uh, of course, y'all know the the massiveness of the difference in three and three and a half. Yeah, I would say go go bet the three and a half um, with the, with the the football team here. Um, so I think we're starting to see the limitations of Mullins. I'm, I'm convinced that Mullins would not be in the league if he didn't have Carl mm. Shanahan as his coach because. He, you know, he can drop back, he can do play action, and he can hit his first read. But if that's not open, he is he is awful. Like he will do nothing. Um, and you know, against the Bills last week, I thought that was the ideal matchup because they they could run the ball, um, and that does open up the play action game a bit. But I don't think they're going to have less success here running the ball against this this Washington front, as you've said. And then, as you say, the pass defense is very good as well. So I just don't really see however good Shani is. I, I don't think they can overcome just Nick Mullins being terrible against a good defense. And then um, the, the football team offense has been good as well. Seventh in uh, early down success rate over the last month since Smith has been in there. 11th in EPA per play. Um, some of that was easy competition against like the Cowboys, but obviously they, they moved the ball quite nicely last week against the, the Steelers, um, who's probably a better defense than, than this uh, San Fran team. So, I, I, I don't know that that they're the worst team than San Fran, which this mm-hmm. line would suggest. So uh, yeah, I think there's value in the in the handicap. Yeah, I like the. Uh, I definitely like the three and a hook 
here as well. Listen, the Antonio Gibson injury is concerning to me on offense because he has been so incredibly good for them. And really, once they decided, okay, he's our guy, his offense really took a turn for the better. Uh, that said, J.D. McKissick has stepped in pretty well as the like pass-catching guy. And then they'll just have to, I guess, go Peyton Barber as, as like kind of like the running as the running back here. Um, that said, even with that, I don't think it materially changes the way that I look at the team or this offense. They still have McLaurin. Of course, uh, everything that they've got going on with Logan Thomas, Jesus Christ, that was a blow up game for him last week. Um, and, and, you know, just basically getting open at will all over the place was Logan Thomas. And so, uh, yeah, if you can get the three and a hook, I don't think it's available for me here in Nevada, but it's certainly available for you guys out there in the rest of the United States because I'm looking at it right now. You can get it at MGM. You can get it over at uh, at Sugar House as well. So I would be looking to take the three and a hook. I would feel comfortable uh, taking that three and a hook on the football team. And honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if they win this game outright. I might even sprinkle a little bit on the money line, to be honest with you. I think they're probably at this stage, they're probably the better team overall. So um, yeah, definitely be looking for that as well. You can get plus 145-ish, 150 on the football team if you want the money line. Falcons and the Chargers. Um, Brad, we have the Chargers coming off of a blasting, getting destroyed 45 to nothing by the Patriots. And then we have a Falcons team that continues to kind of look. They they hang. That's This is what the Falcons do. They kind of hang. They give you hope that maybe they're going to get there. They don't get there. You know, whatever. This is just what the, the Falcons kind of do. We are sitting at two and a half right now as the uh, Falcons favored over the Chargers. 49 and a half on our total. And it does not look like we're seeing any threes out there. So it's two and a half across the board. Uh, what do you think of Falcons and Chargers? I don't think much, Bill, to be <laughs> honest. I, I don't, like both, both teams are 29th and 31st in the NFL in early down success rate over the last month. So they're both playing pretty terrible football. It was announced Julio is out about 20 minutes ago. Um, so that's concerned that the Chargers are getting healthier on defense. Looks like Casey Hayward um, and Chris Harris, the cornerbacks both practiced. So they probably can shut down Atlanta, but they also might have stopped playing. I think there was a quote from Bosa this week saying, um, I'm going to be out there like practicing hard, playing hard, but I don't know if anyone else will. So Sounds to me like Lynn has, has lost the uh, the dressing room, as it were. So, yeah, I can't trust anyone here. Brett, I know you actually have an opinion on this game because I am privy to your uh, I am privy to your circa card, and so uh, you think that this is an overreaction to the blowout? Is that basically what I can only assume is your uh, is your handicap of this? Yeah, I'm buying stock in the Chargers. I'm tossing that game out last week. Everything that could have possibly gone wrong for Los Angeles went wrong. And then the Bill Belichick success, success against rookie quarterbacks came through yet again. Herbert looked lost in a game. The Chargers gave away early. Just very odd circumstances left the Chargers playing a game. They literally could not win after the first half. So now they get a far better matchup against the Falcons. We, we said last week the biggest leak on this Chargers team is their run defense and the Patriots got out to that lead and just did whatever they wanted on the ground in a blowout. The Falcons have no rush offense. This is one of the most one dimensional offenses in the NFL, even with Todd Gurley back in the lineup, 31st in rush offense, DVOA, 32nd in rush offense grade. And now without Julio Jones, 
so I'm expecting a lot of dropbacks from Matt Ryan again this week, and that plays right into what the Chargers do well on defense, and that's rush the passer with four and get and just sit back and make plays with their defensive backs. This Falcons offensive line also not good at protecting Matt Ryan. Could be without James Carpenter again this week. Uh, the other thing in play last week was the coaching mismatch between Lynn and Belichick. You don't get that here. So I'm expecting a big bounce back here for Justin Herbert against a funnel defense that is far, far better against the run. I capped this game as a pick. So uh, two and ah. a half, I, I quite like uh, the chargers here. And if hell, if you can, I mean, I just, I, I, I see this as a great bounce back spot for a team that mm-hmm. really lost in, in a, in a weird game last week. Yeah. I mean, I keep talking about this and like, you know, there will be people who use this as a teaser leg as well. You can uh, take the tack on the six to the two and a half. So now you get the charge at eight and a half. I don't know if I'll be doing that this week or not. I was actually leaning a little bit more towards points in this one. But now that Julio is out, maybe that changes my opinion a bit on this. And so I'm going to back off of that opinion, actually, for for this game until I can dig in a little bit further because uh you know, getting under 50 to me seemed like in a situation with as talented as both teams are on the offensive side of the ball and, you know, as as not sharp as both sidelines are as well. Like, I just expect there to be, you know, I expect there to be a ton of points, but Julio not being out there certainly fundamentally changes how this uh, how this offense functions. So I will uh, hold that opinion and dig in a little bit further. But Brett is on the Chargers in this situation. Steelers and the Bills, as always, every time there's a Bills game, we start things off with Brett. Uh, Brett, I have been higher on your Bills than you have. And so finally, (laughs) I think maybe you're coming around. Uh, I have been all over this Bills team. I was all over this Bills team this past week. I loved what they brought to that. I could not understand at all why that line was moving so rapidly towards the 49ers. Glad that it did. But um this is the thing that we've talked about here between Dabble and, 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 um, and McDermott. Listen, they have decided that we're not going to try and do what we're not good at. And, and look, they're going to be people that point to, okay, well, you can't be one dimensional and win football games. Well, they're not necessarily one dimensional. They run just enough to keep you kind of like wondering whether they're going to run the ball or not. But mainly they've decided we're going to pass the ball. We are built to pass. This is what this offense is all about. If we're going to run the ball, we'll run the ball with Josh Allen sometimes. Sometimes our best play is just calling a, a Josh Allen run if we're going to uh, to run the ball. But, I mean, if you look, Buffalo team has been pretty, pretty scary here. And against this, uh, against this uh, Steelers defense, they have come in as a one-and-a-half point favorite yes you are hearing me correct a one and a half point favorite over at DraftKings, and um man that is uh that is that is pretty interesting whenever we're talking about a team that was undefeated up until a few days ago what do you see in this bills and steelers game i don't really know what to do with this game this moved a lot of points off the look ahead. It was Steelers minus two and a half last week, but that was a bit deceiving because the Steelers were probably overvalued by the market and the bills were undervalued. So where exactly does that leave us now? My, my issue with backing Buffalo here is that you're buying a team one week after Josh Allen had the game of his life 
in prime time. And now he's facing the best and most aggressive defense in pro football. And this is, it's still Josh Allen. Like, yeah, he's been much better about throwing the ball away and making better choices this season. But we've also seen at times the Josh Allen that we've come to know <laughs> as a turnover liability. And then, you know, facing this Steelers pass rush is scary. These two teams played in prime time last year and the Bills won 17 to 10, but they beat Duck Hodges and Allen was terrible. 13 for 25, right. 139 yards. So I, I don't know, man. I'm just going to sit back and watch this game. I have no play here, but I know Brad does. So I will let him take it away. Brad, what do you like in the old Steelers and Bills here? I love, I love the Bills. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've been anti-Steelers for a while now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the market hated the Steelers Monday night now, mm-hmm. I think it was, wasn't it? Opened eight and a half, closed five and a half by the end of that against, you know, a, a good Washington football team. But, you know, right. I, I, I know a lot of people looking at that line going, what, what are we missing here? Why is the undefeated team at home? Just five and a half points against kind of an NFC East sort of middle of the pack team. So, you know, I, I, I do think the market likes the, the football team, but I also think they hate the Steelers. Um, and for all year long, it's been, if you can block the Steelers, you can beat the Steelers in the back end. The, the corners aren't that good. Um, so the Bills are eighth in PFF's offensive line grade. So, they should have a decent chance of blocking them, um, especially with with Bud Dupree out. Now they're also missing the backup middle linebacker Spillane. It looks like he's he's missed practice yeah. all week. He's probably going to be out. They're going to be missing Joe Hayden, probably their best cornerback as well. So I expect the Bills to come out, spread it out, um, and just pass, 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 as you say. Um, Josh Allen looked like the best quarterback I've ever seen, I've ever seen on on Monday night. He was he was just ice cool. Uh, like you, you can tell, you know, when, when a quarterback is just feeling it. He was he was just very casual, very calm, um, and it, he just shredded them. Um, and I I don't really know why he wouldn't be able to do the exact same thing here. Um, and then when when we switch to the other side of the ball, the Bills defense is a lot better than it was early in the season mm-hmm. when they were missing Trey White. They were missing their, their second cornerback. Um, they were missing both linebackers in some games. Um, and they're all back now. Um, and remember a year ago, this was like a top three defense. So I, d- I don't know if they're back there yet, but I think it can be like a, a top 12 unit. Um, and then, the Steelers, they can't run the ball. They're the 28th PFF um, offensive line run blocking. Uh, they're going like three and a half yards a carry over the last month now. Then, so it's it's Big Ben throwing like five yard hitches to his receivers. And it, it just isn't dynamic enough to keep up with what I expect the Bills to do here. So, I mean, honestly, I would make this game five and a half. Bills minus five and a half. Um, but so I think this is a bargain. So you'll take the point uh, and, and a half then for sure. Yeah, I will. Right, I, right. Yeah, I, yes, I would. So yeah, I mean, yeah. It, listen, here's the, the thing: I'm getting all the tingles over here, man. You're making the Bills well, sound like a Super Bowl contender. Well, Brett, I think they're the second best team in the AFC. They might be. They they might. Brett, what was what did we always say about this about this Bills defense? Whenever we would whenever we would say things like, "Listen, if you want to run the ball down your throat all day long, you can at least probably do that." You know, that is kind of the Achilles heel here. One, they've tightened that up a bit, and two. The, the, the Steelers cannot run the ball at all. I mean, they are horrific at running the football. And so now it becomes, okay, Big Ben sitting back there, no mobility at all anymore. I mean, he is, he is done. Like, I mean, he, we talk about is Drew Brees washed? Like, give me Drew Brees. Get, could you imagine Drew Brees with 
with uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, Claypool, and Deontay Johnson as like his three wide receivers, like what we would think of an offense, like what we would think of of that. I mean, like give me Drew Brees over over Big Ben all day long. Big Ben is washed, in my opinion. And this offense goes on these incredibly long lulls throughout the course of a game without scoring the football and without moving the football. Like they just don't have what they just don't have it, whatever it is. They don't consistently put an offense uh, that, that continues to move the ball out on the field. And the bill, if they go, if they go three, four drives without putting points on the board, the bills are going to score. Like they're going to find themselves. They're going to be down in this game. Like they are going to find themselves down and they're going to have to figure something out. You know, uh, Brett, I think we're still a week off from John Brown coming back, though, right? So he's not not going to be out there. So that is at least a little bit of a nick on this offense. But I mean, we've seen we've seen them roll and function without him out there. Uh, of course, a much better team when he is. But uh, I, I like the Bills as well. And you know, if the Steelers can prove me wrong that they have an offense that that can consistently show up for an entire sixty minutes. Well, then, you know, go out and beat me. That's basically how I'm going to look at this one. But uh, I, I do. I like the Bills in this thing. And um, I actually think I kind of like the under as well. I don't think the Steelers score many points, man. I actually kind of think I like maybe the under 48 as well. Uh, Ravens and the Browns to close things out here, Brad. We have a two-point favorite in the Ravens on the road at the Browns. So, I don't think any of us are going to say that a team gets better by losing a receiver that's arguably a top 20 receiver in the NFL in Odell Beckham. That being said, Odell Beckham's skill set and Baker Mayfield's skill set don't necessarily align. And so when he goes out, Baker Mayfield's passer rating, according to Pro Football Focus, has gone up 35 points since Odell Beckham has been out. And I think it is because they are utilizing Baker a little bit better to his skill set. It's almost like a little bit like the Jared Goff thing, right? When the Rams are rocking and rolling, Jared Goff is not throwing passes like further than 10 yards down the field because once you start doing that, things get all kinds of wonky and then he's just incredibly inaccurate and bad things happen. If you look at what we saw last week as well, Outside of the blown coverage where he threw the ball 20 yards downfield to Donovan Peoples-Jones because he was standing all alone out there, uh, Baker Mayfield didn't throw the ball further than 20 yards down the field like at all. Like, they're keeping him within himself. They're keeping him to, from doing things that he's not, that his skill set, again, is just not really um, catered to do here. And so um, I think the Browns' offenses is m- – is in a weird way better that Odell is not out there because they're not asking, they're not burdening uh, Baker Mayfield with doing things that he's not really good at doing. So anyway, two and a half, uh, two point favorite are the Ravens on the road at the Browns. Of course, the Ravens get back to business this past week and just run it, you know, a million times for 300 plus yards and do kind of a Ravens win. 47 is your total, Brad. What you think in this one? Um, I might be tempted by the under. I've not bet this at all mm-hmm. yet. I I think it might be Stephen Ruiz from um for the win who who was talking about the the Baker Mayfield cycle where he plays badly against good opposition who pressure him. Um, he comes out in the media says he disrespected, goes out and proves it how good he is against terrible opposition, 
like the Tennessee Titans last week, like the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then he gets really hyped up at how good he is. Then he plays a good opponent again and is back to being really, really average, which I think is exactly who he is. So the question is, who who are the Ravens? Because as we talked about earlier, the, the pass rush was just non-existent against a really banged up Dallas offensive line. Uh, and this Cleveland offensive line is, is ranked one in the NFL by PFF for pass blocking. So... I think they probably can protect him a little bit here. Um, and then, but the, then after that, you, you know, you talked about they, they'd be more efficient, but the receivers still, you know, they've still got, they still got to be schemed open. They've mm. still got to now go and win against a very, probably an elite set of corners. And I, I don't know if they can do that either. So yeah, <laughs> I'm sure I'm not really sure where that comes out in the wash. And then on the other side of the ball, I thought Lamar looked terrible throwing the ball Monday night. I mean, complete garbage. Oh my God. Horrible. So is, is that COVID as well? Is that, is he going to be better than that going forward? I I can't suddenly see in six days, he's going to be good at throwing the ball, Mm -hmm. which is again, how that's how you attack the Browns. You get them in the back end because they're, they're decent up front. So I don't think they can block miles Garrett and I don't think they can throw the ball downfield. And I don't think they're going to have the rushing success that they did against the Cowboys because the, you know, the Browns are just better coached and the Cowboys are an abomination. So I can see both teams struggling to move the ball, to be honest, and both teams just trying to run the ball because that's possibly the most effective way. Definitely for the Browns is going to be the better way to move the ball. And that's how the Ravens play. So I think under 47 is probably my, my favorite look here. Brett, I mean, look, I'm not a defensive coordinator, but I can tell you this. If I am the Browns, I am selling out to stop the run. And I'm just saying, hey, Lamar, if you can throw the ball and beat me, buy good on you. And, and, and that's the way I'm approaching this game. Like um, the Browns are hopeful that Denzel Ward is going to be able to play on Monday. So that is kind of the word coming out of Cleveland that they are hopeful that uh, that he is going to be able to play. And look, man, he, it was, uh, I have not seen a quarterback throw the, the weirdest looking ball ever. I mean, like Lamar just looked like, he, he looked like a guy that had not played quarterback before. It was unbelievable. Some of these passes that were coming out of his hands, I mean, spiking a, a sure touchdown right into the ground. I mean, just missing guys like five feet over their head. It It was horrible. And like you said, Brad, they're not going to have the rushing success that they had last week against this unit. And I would like to think that the coaching staff would make sure that that is the case. Um, Also, Brett, I mean, you know, uh, the Browns are one of the most zone heavy teams there are in the NFL. Don't run a ton of man defense as it is anyway. We know rushing quarterbacks have more success against man defense because the corners are turning and running with the guys as it is. And so uh, it should be them facing Lamar Jackson a whole lot more and kind of facing this offense and and keeping them in front of them. Um, I don't have a play on the Browns yet. This game being on a Monday, we do have an extra day to kind of dig into this one. So I don't have a strong opinion, but I can tell you I do have a lean at least towards the Browns in this thing because I, I am going to go with the assumption of rational coaching, and I actually think that Stefanski is probably pretty sharp. And I would literally, I would literally dare them to throw the ball and beat me. And if they did, then, you know, good on you. I lost like at your massive weakness, but uh, I would not let them run all over me and I would make Lamar Jackson beat me through the air. I mean, I feel like that's kind of the game plan they had going into that week one matchup force Lamar to beat you. And that's exactly what he did. I mean, he was awesome in week one, Uh, but maybe that was 
a different Lamar Jackson. I mean, that was a different Lamar Jackson than we've seen the rest of the year. This offense has been mm-hmm. pretty bad, and I've been fading them regularly for a while now because all of the underlying metrics tell us that this offense is a fraud. But you want to talk frauds. This Cleveland Browns team is peak fraud for me right now. And, <laughs> and what's even better is they waxed another fraud team last week, which allows us to get a really good price on the Ravens this week. I, I love the Baltimore here. I mean, this, this went... I, I've had this game circled for two weeks and everything has gone as planned with, with the Browns thrashing the Titans last week. And now, yeah, I can get the Ravens basically at, at a pick. I mean, it, they have match mismatches in all the right places against this Browns team, whom, like I said, they absolutely obliterated in week one. So this is the week to sell everything on the Browns. I'm taking advantage of the market overcorrection on this team. And I think this is a poor matchup for them. And Baltimore gets Mark Andrews back this week. So you add uh, another big body to block and Mm -hmm. also give Lamar Jackson a trusty pass catcher against uh, this very bad Browns pass defense. Browns also might be without Wyatt Teller on Sunday, which is a huge loss. They're banged up a little with Jack Conklin up there as well. So I don't know, man. I I think this is a really good spot to sell the Browns who this has got to be one of the worst nine and three teams of all time. <laughs> I'll uh I'm gonna wait on the injury report though. Like I said, I hadn't played this one yet, so I'm gonna wait on the injury report. I mean, Denzel Ward being out there or not is probably gonna sway me one way or the other. I mean, um, if they feel like they have the ability to just man up on the outside and and just sell out on the run, then um I think that completely changes how I view this game as to how I how I would otherwise. So a lot of injury news for me to play out still. So not in my account quite yet. Like I said, a lean towards the Browns, but not there quite yet. Guys, as always, we have written breakdowns, all the games over at the lines.com at playpicks.com. You can find us on YouTube. If you're not watching this currently on YouTube uh, at playpicks.com slash YouTube. So go in and subscribe over there as well. We're going to have some great NBA content coming up as we roll into NBA season as well. And so uh, be sure and uh, be notified every time that we post a video over there. And of course, we have talked about the varying lines, the varying totals, the varying juice, all of the different things that we found just in this podcast. You'll find it in player props as well. You'll find different numbers. You'll find different juice, all of that. The importance of having multiple accounts where you're allowed to do that is so, so incredibly important to make sure that you're getting the best odds, the best chance to be a successful better. So just go over to the U.S. Sports Betting tab over at the lines and click on your state and we will have all of the best offers for any of the books that we trust and work with that uh, that you can find on the internet. Free bets, match bets, uh, all the different things like that. So take advantage of that as well, guys. For Brad, for Brett, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week.